On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by cardiologist Dr. Paddy Barrett, chatting all things cardiovascular disease. The way I look at this is that the the two statistics that everyone should really be aware of is cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death globally and in most developed nations, but it's also the most preventable. 90% of it can be prevented at an early stage if you just follow the right steps and formula. So I look at it as a, a scary opportunity. As ever available on all podcast platforms. This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919, 1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. This is an Irish independent podcast. Football took a break over the weekend as hurling took centre stage and we were treated to some intriguing National League clashes. Tipperary beat their old rivals Kilkenny. Cork continued their winning start under Pat Ryan against Galway, while Limerick got their first win of the campaign against Clare on Saturday night. All that and more is up for discussion on the latest episode of the Throwing Podcast. Will Slattery here with you and I'm delighted to be joined by Colin Keyes, Vincent Hogan and Donegal Boyle for our chat today. And Colin, we might start with that Tipperary Kilkenny game when those rivals go head to head. It's always intense, it's always intriguing. And I know you were in Nolan Park yesterday, Tipperary coming out on top. You know, when you have two first year managers and Liam Cahill and Derek Ling, it's always kind of interesting to draw some some early conclusions. What will Liam Cahill be the most impressed about when he reviews the game, do you think, this morning? I just will the zip and energy Tipperary brought uh to their play yesterday, particularly in attack. Uh they changed their entire attack from the opening day against Leash. Six new forwards. Now, Noel McGrath had moved into centre forward. So they had essentially in, in position six new forwards and uh, they really cut Kilkenny apart. Uh, I just thought the pace and, as I said, that zip and en- energy they brought. Seamus Callan was back for his first start since the 2021 um, All-Ireland quarterfinal against Waterford, which is almost probably probably 19 months at this stage, 18, 19 months since he, he started. So he, he was in the mix, but Jason Ford was really the, the big takeaway. And obviously he's a very established forward for, for Tipperary at this stage, but 115 was a remarkable haul uh, given, given everything that went on. Um, but also players like Alan Tynan brought great pace to it. Great, great energy, obviously made mistakes in possession, but just, just covered the ground so well. Connor Bow brought great power to, I thought, and, uh, when he got into it too, Jake Morris brought that pace and he scored one too. So there was contributions, and then Noel Noel McGrath pulled the strings, but throughout. But there was contributions from from everybody within Tip, and 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 right away you can see that, you know, they've moved well on from twenty twenty two. Obviously, under new management, they've started out early, got a lot of preparation under their belt. You can see it's a different Tipperary, a more meaningful uh, Tipperary uh, that's really really set their set their sights on. Uh, on, on big targets as quickly as possible. And I think they're a team. There's no one putting their hand up to say we want to chase the league, but I think Tipperary look like a team who are already doing that. And Vincent, obviously people in Tipperary probably want to see, you know, new players or fresh blood come in and, and add to the dynamic. But there's also something kind of very inspirational about seeing the old guards playing so well and, and being so sharp as well. Do you think if Limerick do have success in 2023, will it still be underpinned by Seamus Callan and Jason Ford, that cohort of all Ireland winners? 
Yeah, I, I suppose, Will, it was a, a kind of a criticism of Liam Sheedy that he wasn't transitioning the, the, the team more uh, before, you know, obviously Colin Bonner came in last year and, and there was a lot of flux and change. But, like, you know, why would you get rid of Noel McGrath when you saw how, as Colin says, he pulled the strings so brilliantly yesterday? I think the one thing you're seeing with Tip, you're seeing a new energy in them. You're seeing a physicality in them. The feedback I got from the, the previous round when they played Leash, that Leash went into that game thinking, right, we, we'll have a go at these. We'll, we'll, we'll get into these physically. And maybe there was this view of Tipperary previously that you could do that. And my understanding is the Leash management were actually taken aback by the physicality that Tip brought to that game. We saw it yesterday. There's a whole new energy, you know, Connor Bowe, Alan Tynan, there's a physicality there. Brian O'Mara only came on late in the game. Um, Shami Kennedy, who's been playing in the in the forwards. So th- there's a different energy around Tip. And I think they're, they've hit the ground running in this league. And Liam Cal's stamp is there. They're, they're, they're running off the shoulder. They're playing what we saw from Waterford in, in the Cahill years. And there's no doubt about it. They're, they're going to be a different proposition this year. Um, Jason Ford, I, I don't think I've ever seen him in better shape. He looks like he's maybe almost a stone lighter than he's normally at this time of the year. As good a ball striker as there is in the country. Um, Jamie Callum back, as Colm says, probably a year and a half since we've really seen him to any extent in a tip jersey. I think there's there's something stirring in tip. And, but, but the one thing I would say as well is they lost the second half by six points. Now that will needle Liam Cahill because... You go back to the Munster League final, they were well ahead against Cork and, and, and they, they faded away and they were beaten in that. I think there was a moment during that second half yesterday where you thought, you know, if they let this lead slip, it really won't be good for the psychology in that dressing room. They dug in and particularly Jason Ford got them through it. But, you know, they did lose that second half by six points, which Liam won't be happy with. There, there had to be some sort of reaction from them, Will, I think, didn't there? Like, you know, after last year and, and the way it went and... It just fizzled out so badly, you know, and under Colin Bonner, who had stood in maybe at a time when uh, he clearly wasn't the county's first choice at the time. And, and you know, but he stood in, he took the job. And at a period of transition that you mentioned, that a lot of those pillars off the team for the last 10 years, off the Liam Sheedy era, if you want to call it that, or that, 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 that generation, were sort of coming to a natural end and were finishing up and still one or two hanging on and still very important to it. But... That was a, 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 a sort of very difficult year for everyone associated with with Tip Hurling. And I'm not really surprised that they've come out sort of all guns blazing at the start of this league. And just go back to what Vincent was saying um, about Jason Ford. Like he's, he's around, he made his debut in 2013. He's around a long, long time. And he's probably, he's probably underappreciated because he's come up with those players that, you know, we mention all the time when we talk about Tipperary. But... You know, that sideline cut yesterday was absolutely magnificent. You know, it's the sweetest strike you will see. And he's been sort of slowly doing things like very reliable from freeze. And he's he's always um always been chipping in for a long, long time there. As I say, a debut in twenty thirteen, and maybe maybe someone who doesn't always get the plaudits he deserves, I would say. I'd say maybe one of the biggest things that Liam Cahill will take away from the first two games is Michael Breen at full back because it has been a, a problematic area and it was certainly in last year's championship. Uh, but he's adapted very well to a position where he had some experience, obviously, at underage level. And that was one of the things that Liam Cahill would have referenced afterwards is how well he has adapted now to that new position. Probably early, too early to say that he has solved it. 
but he's certainly a long way to doing to doing that and that would be pivotal for 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 Tipperary to have that in place and a full back that they can identify with from game to game uh, with obviously Ronan Maher outside so it the building blocks are being put in place quite early here yeah, it's interesting. A lot of positivity around Tipperary. And even reading Liam Cowell's comments to Vincent's point, he was very keen to, to say that Tipperary maybe had been accused of not holding on to big leads. So even getting out on the right side of it when Kilkenny cut it to four late on, he seemed to be taking a, you know, a lot from that in terms of the building blocks that are being put in place. From a Kilkenny perspective then, Vincent, you know, they were at home in Nolan Park where they don't like to lose, least of all to their to their rivals. Like, what have you made of the opening two rounds of the Derek Ling era and Kilkenny? Early, obviously, to draw any you know firm conclusions, but what have you made of it? Well, I think Derek was very open about it afterwards. He wasn't happy with that first half. Uh, we saw things, you know, we, we, we've been talking about transitioning to the modern game and everything that you, you're, you're watching teams doing now is referenced to some degree by what we see from Limerick. And Tip's second goal yesterday came direct from Kilkenny trying to work the ball out through the defence. Parag Walsh uh, gave away possession and next thing, Tip are in for a goal. And for traditionalists, that's going to drive them mad. But I think Derek Ling understands that if you're going to play that game, and that's really the only game in town right now, you've got to have patience. You've got to stay with that. And I think, you know, you, you bear in mind, they still have half their forward line to come back. Because TJ Reid is going to start, Adrian Mullen is going to start, Owen Cody is going to start. So I think he will he will be happy enough with what he saw in the second half that there was fight in them. You know, Billy Drennan did well, um, Billy Ryan, John Donnelly coming in. Like you know, they they have players like Donnelly when TJ comes in, Owen Cody, who who can win high balls. So they can mix it when they have their full team back. And I I think Derek will be happy enough that. He, he said what he said about the first half. The second half was different. They didn't let Tip get away from them because, to be honest, if Tip did a big number on them in Nolan Park yesterday, that would, that would not sit well with the likes of Derek Ling. And for a time yesterday, it looked like Tip could do that. Dunica, how important do you think of a campaign is it for Derek Ling, just obviously taking over from Brian Cody and such a legendary figure? Is it vital that, as well as performances in the fight, Vincent mentioned, to get a couple of scalps just to dispel any potential talk of, oh, there could be a transition post Cody or, you know, the team might be in, you know, unsafe hands when a legend steps away after such a long time? Yeah, well, it is, it is like throughout sport, like, and, and, and beyond, um, beyond the GAA, like when somebody leaves off that ilk, you look at Alex Ferguson, Man United, closer to home, you look at Sean Boylan, and, you know, there, there often tends to be sort of problems in sort of filling that void that was left. But I think Kilkenny are probably in a, in a good enough place as a group, as a team, and and in in Derek Ling, that they have a very steady hand on the tiller. Um, you know, he, he was sort of, you know, Vincent had a piece in, in Saturday's Independent about how he's sort of like, if anyone encompassed the Cody way, it was it was probably Ling in terms of how he played the game and how he went to the very edge of his physical capabilities to win games for Kilkenny. And if, if he brings that to his team, they'll be fine. But slightly different to Tipperary, who needed to prove something, I think, in this couple of weeks versus last year. I think Kilkenny are in a lot more secure position. I was down with, with Derek Ling at Kilkenny last weekend and he was talking about how they're going to leave the Ballyhale lads off for as long, most of them uh, off for as long as they needed. TJ would get an extended break because he's a few niggles to clear up. So I think they're in a very different position uh, than than uh, than Tipperary are. So, and I don't think there's a major issue there in Kilkenny. Like, and, and even if the league doesn't go particularly well for them, you know, Look at Limerick last year. It's 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 
it's kind of it's a little bit of a uh, it's very much it, it's much easier to recover from this time around because the league and the championship uh, you know the, the, the league the nature of it this year and I think that's actually something that hung over the whole weekend of Harlan and even I know we'll talk about the Limerick and Clare game but just watching that on Saturday night it was very hard to escape the feeling that you know while Limerick were laying down a marker and Clare were way off it kind of a little bit underwhelming, I have to say, watching it on Saturday night. And and that caveat and asterisk that hangs over everything that happens in the league this year, I think it, it it's very real. And it's it, I certainly felt it watching on Saturday night. Big crowd, local rivalry, but still wasn't... Uh, it just didn't feel like a normal league encounter for me anyway. Colin, what do you make of that point? You know, obviously you were at Nolan Park, two great rivals. Did it feel like a, a meaningful encounter to you or to Dunnick's point? Did it feel a little bit kind of pre-season-y, friendly warm-up ahead of the championship later on in the year? No, I thought it was uh, relatively full, full-blooded in Nolan Park. I think Kilkenny obviously had to chase down uh, a 12-point interval deficit. They had a little bit of a wind advantage in that second half. Uh, I feel there's more more meaning to the league this year than there was last year. For some reason, I felt last year was very shallow uh, the way it played out. Maybe it was that Limerick were behind and they were trying to mix up what they were doing, but they certainly seem that month ahead uh, this year of where they were last year. And maybe that's the way the All-Ireland finished uh, a month earlier. That may be a factor into it. And they have refreshed their squad significantly with a lot of last year's under-20 All-Ireland final squad. So, um the certainly change. I feel. I feel with so many new managers, Liam Cahill, Derek Ling, uh, Pat Ryan, and Cork. Uh, I, I I feel there's more meaning to it. And even looking back at the Cork Galway game as well, while it was high scoring, it was it was well contested. And obviously, obviously, uh, a lot of players have been run in from all sides. If you look at Cork and Galway, they were nowhere near full strength. Neither neither were Kilkenny. Obviously, missing Ballyhale players. They're probably between a half and two-thirds strength for a lot of teams. That's about the average of where it is. But I do think it's a better league than last year. And I think the crowds have been very, very good as well. That's been very significant from from what I've seen is, you know, big crowds, over 10,000 in Nolan Park, 15, the Gaelic grounds, something like eight in Salt Hill as well. They're good crowds and eight last week in, uh, in Wexford Park as well. I, I think part of the crowds at least can be put down to the fact that we were six, seven months without uh, inter-county action. So there is that sort of appetite there. But just uh, just to repeat myself, like I did think certainly despite the crowd and despite the local rivalry, just thought it was a bit, maybe it was because we were seeing two, more of the same and yet more domination from Limerick, who at times, until that last 10 or 15 minutes when Clare came back at them a little bit, at times there were peak Dublin. It's felt like they were ramming home uh, uh, their advantage over one of their rivals just to make a point like Dublin one of the few things that came out of Dublin during their six in a row run was that James McCarthy said it one day it was sort of like well you kind of have to keep them down you have to keep the boot in the throat and Limerick it felt a little bit like Limerick were doing that at one stage on Saturday night you know so ruthless and, and running fellas coming off the bench and were giving them even more uh, another edge to their game because they're trying to get in trying to get minutes and stuff like that Um so, like, very impressive for Limerick and, and quite, I would say, ominous for uh, for everyone else on that basis. Vincent, did you want to come in there? Yeah, I just think, you know, we, we hear this narrative that the league doesn't matter and we're all trying to second-guess what kind of block of training everyone is doing. And like Henry Shefflin referred to his own Galway team yesterday as leggy and you're kind of saying, well, maybe there's a reason they were leggy against Cork. But 
It does matter to some extent when you see that, for example, the Clare management, I understand, wouldn't speak to the media after the, the Limerick game. And we can go on about, you know, well, they hadn't Tony Kelly and they hadn't Shane O'Donnell and they hadn't John Conlon. But at some level, when you see the, the lack of aggression in the Clare game, and, and Clare were the one team that in the three meetings last year, they went toe-to-toe with Limerick and there was nothing between them. And then you watch it on Saturday night and they had no physicality, they had no aggression. And the way that Limerick hurling team plays, whether it's their first selection or they bring in five or six new lads, they play out through the lines and you've got to meet that with aggression. And if you don't do that, the precision of their short passing will destroy you. And I think definitely from Clare's point of view, I think their next game now is going down to Wexford Park or maybe it's at home to Wexford. I'm not sure which it is, but they've got to produce something. They've got to, you know, I think it was 57 minutes gone on Saturday night and Clare had scored 1-1 from play. That's shocking. That's absolutely shocking. And no matter what way you rate the league, that's a return that for Brian Lohan and his management team is a red light flashing and, and they've got to react to that. Yeah, one one nine in the last one nine in the last fourteen minutes uh, was one stat I saw, and like the game was done at that stage. All just only a matter of scorekeeping. That is that is alarm bell stuff, definitely for Clare. I find it uh, strange that teams are not more at full strength from the for for the league, and this this idea of resting players, obviously those that are involved in club championships and third level college games, that's that's accepted. But there are only four championship games minimum for every for every team, uh, and the, to all intents and purposes, it could be over after two, like it was for has been for some teams in the past. So uh, I would have expected that more teams would hit the ground running in this league, and that they would be more keen to run players in. I, I think it's admirable to see Garrod Hegarty uh, out for Limerick the last two the last two Saturday evenings, and to see what he's done and how enthusiastic he has been to get on the ball and to get stuck in and be physical like he always is so early in the season for him. He strikes me as somebody who's content and wants to play and wants to be involved in every game. And I think that attitude will carry Limerick a long way this year as well. I, I wonder, Colin, how influenced everyone is by Limerick's run last year. You know, the one I think was the last round of the league to beat Offaly and that was the, the only game they won in the league, if, if, if memory serves. And then obviously they come out and they were by far and away the best team in the country, you would say. And, um, you know, I suppose there were other teams looking at that going like, if you looked at Waterford last year, we were going really well early on and then fell off the, the edge of a cliff. So I wonder now are teams looking at how Limerick sort of seemed to time their run and other teams seemed to go flat out for the league and it didn't work out for them when they went flat out for the league early on. I'm just wondering, is that informing some of what we're seeing there in these first couple of rounds? It possibly is, but I actually don't think it's informing it, Tony. I think the league has been, as I said, I think it's been vibrant. I think it's been better than where it was last year. So I'm not so sure our team's looking at Limerick last year. I don't even think Limerick themselves are looking at what they did last year. I think they're they're well ahead here, and they are very, very much uh, driven by so many new players. I mean, Limerick maybe to from 23 or 4 to numbers 30 uh, during their three in a row run and before that maybe just haven't been as strong but it certainly looks with the players that they're bringing in you, you look at Adam Adam English and Donico Dolig who was so good for Manoline and scored that goal um, you look at these players coming in off that under 20 squad last year and you're saying that's the type of thing that picks a squad like Limerick up and go again just as 
you know, I'd equated the Dublin 2018. You referenced Dublin. I remember Dublin tearing Kerry asunder in Crow Park. David Clifford's first senior match and Sean O'Shea's first senior match there uh, in Crow Park in 2018. And Dublin destroyed them. And that's where I feel that Limerick maybe are right now. And you had Brian Howard and Niall Scully and players like that coming through. And now you have this wave, new wave of Limerick players that that could drive them on and on and on. That just me that sometimes a team like that, just as Dublin did, they needed Conor Callaghan and Howard Scully to drive them on to take to extend that five in a row run. And I just sense that this is what maybe Limerick need and you know what they're working towards as well with these new players. Um and I certainly sense uh, a greater enthusiasm about them this year than there was in last year's league. Whether uh, whether it manifests into anything different, I mean, they were so good in last year's championship, so competitive as well, it remains to be seen. But I, I, I certainly think they haven't taken no step back here. Yeah, I, I think that is a very key point. And, you know, we talk about the young lads coming through. Michal Houlihan, what an outstanding game he had. Um and Michal Houlihan is not a kid. Like, I think he's 21 or whatever. He's been around a while. The big question about Limerick is, you know, what change, if any, will we see? Because we don't know what the status of Aaron Galan within the squad is. We we see Kean Lynch come back after 10, 10 months out, essentially, and play like he's to the manor born. Uh, Peter Casey steps in for the first time, essentially, since the 2021 final. They have all these players to come back. Like Declan Hannan didn't play. Dermot Burns didn't play. Like so many top, Barry Nash, so many all-stars are still to come back into that squad. And you look at John Kiley's comment was the first half hour was solid. I mean, we can talk about Clare being a little bit demoralized by what happened to them. I think the rest of Hurling is looking at what Limerick did on Saturday night and saying, my God, these lads, they're, they're going for four in a row. They're going from five out of six. And they don't look like they're diminished in any way by what they've won. And uh, one other comparison you could make with Dublin is, you know, under Brian Lowe and Clare haven't been able to beat Limerick in league or championship despite some very close encounters, especially last year, kind of similar to Dublin's maybe dominance over Mayo during the Jim Gavin era. I don't think Mayo beat them in the league or, or championship either. But Donegal, one team that has been very impressive over the first two rounds have been Cork. Uh, you know, six goals, two wins, and over you know very big teams as well. And in Limerick and Galway, how impressive have you think they've been? Yeah, I think they've been very impressive, and they've been sort of like Pat Ryan set out his stall very quickly and and very bluntly, and said at, when he got the job, he said, "Look, if I don't win the All Ireland within three years, it'll be a failure." I think is the word he used. So that was quite a, an unusual thing. We don't often hear talk like that in 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 particularly in sporting circles, but definitely in GA circles. I would say people tend to you know, kick for touch when it comes to goals and statements and bold statements about what they want to win. Um, but I think for the second week in a row, and, and Pat Ryan was talking about it afterwards, that it was built on the fundamentals, the basics, the, you know, hard work, turnovers, effort. Don Low Cusick said similar things last night on, on, on League Sunday that, you know, maybe for years that Cork hadn't, hadn't always matched um, opposition teams in terms of uh, work, rate, work rate and desire and maybe physicality and stuff. But I think over the last couple of games, you've you've seen that from Cork. And, and maybe Cork felt like they needed a, a, a bit of a, a, a strong start to the season, like a couple of the other counties on their new management, as Colin referenced earlier. So I, I think that it's been very promising for them. And I think at one stage, they were five or six points down in the first half and found a way to win, um, which, you know, is always a... a an added bonus on something when you when you dig yourself out of a little bit of a hole. 
Yeah, Vincent, that work rate that Dunnigan mentioned was very evident watching, you know, some of the highlights back. The amount of hooking and blocking that led to turnovers up the field and led to scores was very, very impressive. Very hard to say. Well, Oshin Salmon's 37th minute red probably, you know, took a lot out of them. I think Martin McManus scored 1-3 and he, he looks a find. He's got a bit of size about him. Very, very skillful looking hurler. Um, Henry, I think, will be very much prioritising the championship this year. You look at Galway last year under him, they, they, were, they were slow burners under Henry. But, you know, and, and their Leinster final performance was so flat and so disappointing. But when they got Limerick in the All-Ireland semi-final, I thought there was an edge to Galway and a, and, and a new edge to them. And I think he'll be, he'll be very much trying to build on that. Whether he wants much out of this league, I'm not sure. Their next game, I think, is uh, home to Limerick. And I think having been well beaten by Cork in Pierce Stadium yesterday, I think Henry will look for a big performance the next day against Limerick. And we might know a lot more about them after they play that game. So, Colin, for you, are, are Cork one of the coming teams in the championship, maybe for later in the year? No doubt about it, Will, and obviously the two early movers, shall we say, in the league, apart from apart from Limerick, yes, are over the weekend, are Tipperary and Cork, and they're managed by Liam Cahill and Pat Ryan, who were involved in those All-Ireland Under-21 and Under-20 finals a few years back, and we're seeing many of the protagonists in those games coming through now for both teams. But to me, and Vincent mentioned him, uh, the fulcrum for Cork, not just for this year, but for... Perhaps the next decade is Kieran Joyce at centre-back. He reminds me of the impact Brian Corcoran made. And they're very, very similar in, in style for me as well in terms of how they play the game. Um, Kieran Joyce, he's got that for someone so young, under 20 last year, for someone so young, he's such a physical presence there. And he can command that number six jersey for Cork for, for a long, long time. I think everybody will be able to fit in around him. And you're talking about bringing Cork bringing more physicality to their play. I think he'll make that biggest statement for them and he will set the tone for them for, for many, many years. And obviously, as Vincent mentioned as well, Owen Downey at fullback. These are areas these are areas that Cork, if they can nail down some permanency there, uh, they'll go a long way to catching up with, with everyone else. But they have a lot of talent, a lot of players coming through. It's just to get the order of them. Look at the players that were missing Yes, yesterday, Patrick Horgan wasn't there. Robbie O'Flynn obviously has his injury. Seamus Harnady, the list goes on. You maybe will see something from Mark Coleman later in the year, although it's not expected. So um, a lot of players and Pat Ryan's in a very, very good position now to make something of all these players over the next two to three years. And Vincent, what of Galway? You know, it's kind of, you know, good win away to Wexford week one, a disappointing showing maybe at home to Cork week two. It seems to be kind of maybe traditional early season form, a bit of a mixed bag. Anything particularly jumping out to you about where they're at at the moment? Very hard to say. Well, Oshin Salmon's 37th minute red probably, you know, took a lot out of them. I think Martin McManus scored 1-3 and he, he looks a find. He's got a bit of size about him. Very, very skillful looking hurler. Um, Henry, I think, will be very much prioritising the championship this year. You look at Galway last year under him, they, they, were, they were slow burners under Henry. But, you know, and, and their Leinster final performance was so flat and so disappointing. But when they got Limerick in the All-Ireland semi-final, I thought there was an edge to Galway and a, and, and a new edge to them. And I think he'll be, he'll be very much trying to build on that. Whether he wants much out of this league, I'm not sure. 
their next game, I think, is uh, home to Limerick. And I think having been well beaten by Cork in Pierce Stadium yesterday, I think Henry will look for a big performance the next day against Limerick. And we might know a lot more about them after they play that game. Yeah, and obviously had a very good battle with them in the All-Ireland uh, semi-final last year as well. Dudek, I might give you the, the last word in terms of the other games across the weekend, maybe not as marquee clashes as some of the other ones, you know, Dublin beating Antrim, Wexford and Waterford picking up victories as well. Any of those teams catching your eye in particular? Well, I was I was at Dublin Antrim in, um, in Parnell Park yesterday. Um, it was a funny sort of a game. Um, there was about six or eight lost Frenchmen who I came across uh, on Griffith Avenue looking to make their way to Donny Carney. So a little bit of uh, pigeon English and a very tiny bit of pigeon French managed to point them in the right direction up to up to, uh, up to to Parnell Park. Um, it was a funny game because Dub- it felt like Dublin won it a handful of times, to be honest. I think there were seven, eight points up at halftime. There were 10 points up after about 48, 49 minutes and then 10 points up again after 62 or three minutes. And they were still hanging on at the end. Now, it would have been... My view of it is that Antrim didn't deserve anything out of it and have to get that late goal at the end to get a draw. It would have been very hard on Dublin at that point. But um, Michal Donoghue was very happy. He's, he's sort of unknowable and unreadable at the best of times, but he was quite seemed quite satisfied with what he had seen. Like They are rebuilding from such a level. Uh, and he kind of, I asked him afterwards, was, was the ask he was putting on some of the young players, was, was it almost unfair? Because, you know, I suppose they, they could have reasonably been expected to, to be learning their trade alongside Chris Crummy or a Liam Rush or a Keen O'Callaghan and all the other players they've missing. But they've got huge rafts of experience gone and they have to learn on the hoof and learn very quickly. And, you know, beating Antrim, um, you know, they always always make it difficult for you for an answer point of view it was kind of like you know if you what i've seen in the last few years is a little bit more the same they're very very they're quite close but they just fall down and be it they don't have enough to come off the bench or they can't perform well on a consistent level and i think that was both both teams were guilty of that yesterday kind of boom bust hurling like you know they'd have a 10 or 15 minute spell where they'd look really good and then they might have a 10 or 15 minute spell where where um where, where it would just go away from them and they couldn't get anything right and they hit wides. Like, there was 29 wides in that game yesterday. Dublin scored 28, 28, 29 points, 11 different scorers. So, like, there was all sorts of really good things and then there was a lot of, like, stuff like, you know, Jesus, did they need to iron that out? So, um, it, yeah, but a good a good afternoon's work for Dublin, I would say, in, in terms of, like, who they're missing, like, which I don't think can be overstated. Well, there's been plenty of intrigue across the first two rounds of the Hurling League with just Cork and Tipperary with 100% records indicating just how competitive it has been in the first two weekends. But for now, I'd like to thank Colm, Vincent and Dunica for joining me on today's episode of the Throw-In Podcast. We will be back next week with the show reviewing all the football action. And in the meantime, you can subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or listen on independent.ie. So until next time, thanks for listening and goodbye. This is an Irish independent podcast.